Well, good morning, everybody. How's everybody doing today out there? Is everybody ready for their, their feast on Thursday? Everybody have their stretchy pants ready? Everybody's got, you know, get your, get your Thanksgiving pants ready to go. Maybe a little cut out, a little inseams in there so you feel a little better as you're going about your day. Anybody check the football schedule for Thursday? See who's playing? Is it worth it? I mean, the Lions always play, so just forget the early game. Sorry, Ginny, but, you know, the Lions are forgettable. She's, a, she's got babies. <laughs> but anyways, as you know, as we approach this time, it's a great time to give thanks. And I hope that as we go about this week, as we go about our dinners on Thursday, we remember all the things to be thankful for. And that's what we're going to look at today, this idea of being thankful. Well, today is our upper room service as well. Uh, and if you're new with us, our upper room service is just kind of our communion service. Uh, it's just a chance for us to keep the kids in the service so that they can understand communion, so that they can partake in communion with us. Uh, and as part of that, we get to have a, a fun little event with the kids on stage. And I want to thank Landon for such a perfect welcoming of Mr. Seth uh, to the stage. Uh, it was just fantastic. I guess that's what happens as you hit 40. You just get introduced as Mr. now. So, but as part of that, I want to have the kids come on up on stage. And we're going to have, as you know, a fantastic time. And I have candy. So, although the chips have already been claimed. <laughs> cool. All right, at least, all right, my daughter's coming. Great job. All right, here we go. Oh, here we come more. All right. We got more coming up. Whew, thank you. So, because the kids are in service, we bribe them with candy, and I, I bring them up on stage to kind of help us understand some of the things that we are going to be doing today. So, I need a couple, let's hear, everybody come over this way. Wander over this way. Perfect. Now, I need, let's have, who, who likes to race? All right, the two, I'm going to say the two boys. All right, so the girls, you guys can step up. I know boys are so competitive. So Trevor, come on up here. All right. There's some intimidating faces going on here. All right, we're really going to make the camera people work today as we're up here. So thumbs up from Abby. There we go. All right. So as you're following, what want you to do? I didn't tell you how you were going to race, though, did I? All right, so I want you to put one foot in the air. <laughs> there we go. And I want you to hop across the stage. Not off the stage. Um, stay on the stage, please. Insurance only covers so much. Um, so, everybody ready? Lift that foot up. There we go. Oh, we going now? Okay, ready. On your marks. Get set, go. Stay on stage. Oh, man, that was close. Very good. Now you guys can stay there. All right. Oh, it's perfect. So I need you girls to come out here. I need you to get a partner. I want to just go two and two, okay? So I need you to come over on this side of the stage. What's your name? Me? Yeah. Anna. Anna, Anna you come over here. You're going to stand right here. What's your name? Mercedes. Mercedes. You're going to come over here, and you're going to stand across from your partner. Uh, you can go on that side, across from your wonderful partner, Kenzie. All right, so you guys are going to play a game of catch. 
All right. I don't, he's like, I sit out these games at least group. Um, all right. So here's what's going to happen. We're going to put uh, one hand behind your back. Okay. So here you go. And here you go. So one-handed, I want you guys to play catch. So throw the ball to your partner. Guys aren't supposed to. Well, I, I'm so thankful that they caught it, but it completely wrecks everything that I was trying to accomplish uh, through this. All right. And there they are. All right. Why don't you go ahead and throw it back? Yes. All right. So that was pretty, that was, I'll come, that was pretty tough, wasn't it? All right. You girls come back over here. Guys, come back down this way. All right. You girls can come off the stage here. All right. Come back into your positions. Yes. All right. So what we're going to do now is you're going to race again. You're not going to run, okay? Because, again, liabilities. Say it with me. Liability. All right, you're not quite there yet. All right, but what you're going to do is you're going to speed walk now two legs. I'll let you use two legs. How does that feel? Good. Yeah, are you so thankful that you... Yeah, you're so thankful that you don't have to use one foot? Get it? All right, ready, go. You guys walk pretty good. Like That was almost like a, a wedding march going right down there. All right. Very well, they got like professional ring bears or something. All right, go back into your positions. And now back into the positions of playing catch. Now, what do you girls think your guys are going to get to do this time? Two hands. But you already caught it with one hand. So, all right, here we go. Go ahead, ready, throw. Great job. Yeah, give it up for him. Give it up for Yeah. All right, now throw back. Oh, see, wasn't that so, was that easier? Was it easier to walk instead of hop? Yes. All right, you guys can grab some candy and head back to your seats. You see, they, were, they had a hard time at first hopping or, or maybe catching with one hand. This is like that Halloween, like, leave the bowl, just take one, right? And they're all going to take millions of stuff. There you go. All right, this isn't like lunch or anything. All right, so you see that, well, I didn't, oh, I didn't see something, something would happen here, but, um, but yeah, so as they were going through that, it was harder, they went through the, a hard struggle, and, and what it did, it made them reflect on, on life as they had it, then as what we would say is normal, catching with two hands, running, they, they could be thankful for those circumstances, and, and today we're going to see the circumstances that God brought the Israelites through, and, and how it was supposed to make them look back and, and be thankful for all that he had done in our lives. And that's where we're going to be. And I'm going to invite you to open up your Bibles. We're going to be in Psalm 106 today. So we're going to be looking at uh, the whole psalm. It is, a, it is a, a long psalm, long psalm. So we are going to kind of we're not read the whole thing in one sitting, um, but we are going to uh, kind of walk our way through it. Anybody want some candy? Anybody want anything? Let me... Let me do my, again, my impression. Here we go. You guys are like, there's like six people over here. So we're just throwing out. And there we, oh, Todd, it's not softball season right now, Todd. I don't know how the arm is. Let's see what we got. Oh, man. 
That was not good at all. Try something else. I got a little curve going on here. It's not quite working well. Let's see here. Whoa. Hey, again, liability. No one get hit in the eye. No one get hit. Take cover. Let me see. Oh, I'm hitting something. You're hearing these dings. Something. <laughs> Somebody's getting sued. There we go. Oh, whoa. That, sorry, that was, that was a rocket. Oh, man. I like seeing people fight for it. There we go. Oh, man. That was. Oh, man. I got to try and get my nephews in the back. Get my nephews in the back. Here we go. Let's see. Whoa, I, Robin, I was not going for it, but that was, Craig, I know you can't see, I know. You got cigar smoke in your eyes. There we go. She said these are hard. She said these are hard. Don't exactly know how long the candy's been around. Uh, so if you choke on it, Find somebody near you that might know some kind of life-saving. Okay, there's some dough. I can, I can chuck those. There we go. There's some sour. And baskets all empty. So I cannot multiply the candy like Jesus with the baskets. So as I said, we are going to be in Psalm 106. Uh, and we're going to, I'm so hoping, that, I don't know why this has a story. This works every other time except when I'm about to preach. So, let's go ahead and do it this way. There we go. Every other time, it likes to open. Isn't that technology for us? So as we see, we're going to study this Psalm 106 and see what God has for us. You know, what the interesting thing about Psalm 106 as we look at it is we're going to see a recording of Israel's history. And a lot of times when you're recording your history, you kind of want to highlight the good things, right? Where you were always doing right and succeeding. And that's how a lot of ancient literature was as they wrote about their, their cities and their nations. But here we're going to see something interesting. Is that they're actually going to write about their negatives. They're going to write about the things that they did wrong. And I think it's important for us to see those, like when we're hopping with one leg or we're catching with one arm and seeing how those moments point us to where we should be thankful for, for all God has given us. As I said, it's long, and we're not going to read the whole thing in one sitting, but we are going to work our way through it today. So it makes sense for us to open in Psalm 1, I mean, Psalm 106, verse 1. But before we do, let's go ahead and pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity to gather in your name, to think about this idea of thankfulness, to think about coming before you and thinking of all that you have done for us, Lord. Lord, we praise you and we worship you this day, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So here we are in, in verse 1. It says, Praise the Lord. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, and his steadfast love endures forever. In this verse, opening verse, we get important instructions that we are to remember. Praise the Lord. Give thanks to the Lord. And then it even says why. What's the why? It says because he is good and his steadfast love 
endures forever. It is this goodness and this love that is going to set the stage for the remainder of this psalm. It's going to be one that we reflect on within the theme as we continue today. We need to remember his love and his goodness. If we could remember these things and the ways in which God has been good to us in our lives, of how he has shown us love toward us. And it says it is never ending. Has God been good to you? Have you seen his love over this past year? The writer continues, verse 2. He says, Who can utter the mighty deeds of the Lord or declare all his praises? The mighty deeds of God are, are too many to count, he says. Who, who can recount? Who, who can express for all that you have done? It's impossible to give him all the glory he deserves. We can't even comprehend his mighty and great deeds. And I was reflecting on it. I was thinking back into the Gospel of John. And, and in John, in John chapter 21, it's talking about the miracles of Jesus. And John says these words. He says, Now there are also many things that Jesus did. Were every one of them to be written, I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. You say, look, in the Gospels, we have so much about what Jesus did. But then John comes in here and says, look, there's even more that he did that we couldn't even write about. He says, in fact, if we had the time to write these things, all the books in the world wouldn't contain all the mighty works and deeds that Jesus has done. We give thanks because of these mighty deeds, of the way we've seen him work in our lives. Verse 3, blessed are those who observe justice and who do righteousness at all times. God in his promises to his people of his steadfast love and his goodness is for those who practice justice and righteousness at all times. And as we will see in the few verses, we will see failures. Failures of where Israel did not follow through on these things. It reminds you as you go through Exodus, and we were there in our 9 a.m. class this morning, if my people will do this, if my people will follow me, if my people, over and over. The desire of God's people should be to live a life honoring to him. That's really what the series we just came through was, right? Growing in Christ. How do we live our lives in a way that brings honor to Christ? We live in a way that brings honor and glory to him. And this is a call for all his people to obey his calling. We move forward now to verse, verse 4 and 5 together. It says, Remember me, O Lord, when you show favor to your people. Help me when you save them, that I may look upon the prosperity of the chosen ones, that I may rejoice in the gladness of your nation, that I may glory with your inheritance. The writer here is feeling some sort of maybe betrayal by God, abandoned by God. Remember me, God. Remember your people. He's thinking and reflecting on the blessings that are promised to Israel. Lord, include me in these. Remember me. Think of me through these times. And we're going to see why he's calling for this. For all the forgetfulness that we see in Israel. Anybody a fan of history? 
Not so many people. There are some hands. Yeah, I enjoy watching the History Channel every so often. Usually it's if I'm by myself, because if I turn it on and Christy's there, I get some sort of look of what the heck are you watching? But here we are in Psalm 106, and we're going to get a quick overview, looking at the history of Israel. So let's jump in at verse 6. We're going to read 6 through 12 here. It says, Both we and our fathers have sinned. We have committed iniquity. We have done wickedness. Our fathers, when they were in Egypt, did not consider your works. But they did not remember the abundance of your steadfast love, but rebelled by the sea, at the Red Sea. Verse 8, Yet he saved them for his name's sake, that he might make them known his mighty power. He rebuked the Red Sea, and it became dry. And he led them through the deep as through a desert. So he saved them from the hand of their foe and redeemed them from the power of their enemy. And the waters covered their adversaries. Not one of them was left behind. They believed his words. They sang his praises. It's an important thing to point out here that as he's reflecting on the past, he's not saying, oh, those people in the past, man, they messed up. Our fathers, they messed up. No, he opens up and he says, we have sinned as well. He says, we all have sinned. We've all fallen short. And then he goes into the ways in which the nation has fallen. We think about this, right? The Red Sea, we all know this story. Here they are coming to the Red Sea. God has rescued them. He's shown his great mighty works and deeds, his steadfast love, it says. And they get to the Red Sea, and what do the people do? They complain, right? We were better off in Egypt. Here come the Egyptians chasing us. Were there not graves for us in Egypt? And we look at that and say, do you remember what it was like in Egypt for you guys? And the Red Sea parts here, and then it even says, as though it was a desert. And they walked across dry land into safety. He remembered them. He looked upon them. They had forgotten already the ten plagues that had just played out. And here they were, afraid of the enemy. Verse 8 and verse 10, if you look at those, it says, Yet he saved them. Verse 10, So he saved them. And it was in spite of their failures, God saved them. And at the end of those verses there, it says they believed, they sang his praises. But then you get to verse 13. It says, but they soon forgot his works. They did not wait for his counsel, but they had a wanton, wanton craving. As it says in the ESV, and I was going to make a joke, it's not wanton. They weren't craving Chinese food as they were wandering through the desert there. They were craving in the wilderness and put God to the test. In verse 15, he gave them what they asked for, but sent a, a wasting disease among them. When men in the camp were jealous of Moses and Aaron, the Holy One of the Lord, the earth opened up and, and swallowed up Dathan and covered up the company of Abarium. Fire broke out in the company and a flame burned up the wicked. Here's the uh, classic response, right? All of us parents, we, we, how many times do you hear this from your kids? Oh, I, for, I forgot. I, I forgot that we had this great long discussion about me not doing this. And then I proceeded to do this anyways. I'm sorry, I forgot. Probably heard that over and over. And here it says that Israel forgets all that God had done for them. 
And here it is. They're, they're craving, remember, as they wander through the wilderness, they, they want, they're sick of this manna. They're sick of this nasty bread that comes down or wherever it is. Maybe it's a little quake, uh, cracker in the, in the communion cups, all these things going through here, and they cry out, and they, and they want meat. They want quail, bring down, give us something better. And they get it, and then a disease comes through the nation. And then these two men, they rise up. They, they want power. They say, well, why do you guys get all the power, Moses and Aaron? We're just as good as you. And God strikes them, and the earth opens up and swallows up them and their families because of their forgetfulness of God. All these things were going, and they had forgotten the Lord. Whining and complaining, whining and complaining all the time. I always describe it, it just seems like children, right? All they would do is wander and complain. Why do we complain so much? I did a quick Google search. I just literally typed in, why do we complain? Just to see what would pop up. And these two articles popped up. One said, go ahead and complain. It might be good for you. The other one said, stop complaining. It's making you dumber. So I'm not really sure which way you want to go with these things. But we constantly say, if only. Why can't you? Why can't this Why can't I be happy in these ways? Israel would forget and complain. We're unhappy with our circumstances, and we complain, and we forget all that God has done for us. Yesterday, as we woke up at our house, we woke up to right where our water meter was, there was water coming out of it. That can't be a good thing. So it caused us to call the number and to think, and as I was reflecting on that, it caused me to be thankful for running water. Because they come in and they have to turn your water off. And I was reflecting on that, and I was like, okay, God, I'm preaching on thankfulness. I can see what you're doing here. So I reflected on that, and as I was thinking of it, I looked up a survey from 2019 that showed that more than 800 million people in this world don't have access to clean drinking water. And I reflect on that, and I think of all that God has blessed me with. Yeah, I had a pipe burst out in the street. But I'm thankful because it was on the the, the county side. It wasn't my responsibility. They could come and fix it. All these things you start thinking about as you reflect on these circumstances. And you see the ways in which God has blessed you. We can turn the faucet on and drink. Where in many countries and many people, they don't have that opportunity. One author was putting our forgetfulness in this way. He says, spiritual amnesia is a deadly disease that threatens your faith and your joy more than any cancer. It penetrates to the core and rots your heart from within. As we're unthankful, as we blame God, as we forget God, it rots to our soul. But the story continues, and we pick it up in verse 19. It says, they made a calf at Horeb, which is another word for Sinai. Here they are. It says, and worshipped a metal image. They exchanged the glory of God for an image of an ox that eats grass. Here it is. They forgot God, their Savior, who had done great things in Egypt, wondrous works in the land of Ham, awesome deeds by the Red Sea. Therefore, he said he would destroy them. Had not Moses, his chosen one, stood in breach before them to turn away his wrath, from destroying them. You, you see this. Remember, this is a story. They're receiving the Ten Commandments, right? And then what are they doing down below at the mountain? They're, they're making an, a foreign god. They're making a golden calf 
Literally, as he's getting the Ten Commandments that says, have no other gods before me. All all these things are, are happening. And look what it says in verse 21 and verse 22. It says, they forgot God who had done great things. 22, the the wondrous works he had done. And and it it says, his awesome deeds by the Red Sea. They had failed to remember these things. And they had fallen trapped and forgetting their Lord and turning away from him. The opening to the psalm, remember, give thanks to the Lord. For he is good and his steadfast love endures forever. Continuing, we have verse 24. Here it goes. It really doesn't get any better as as we're going through this, right? We're seeing this history of this nation, a a nation of forgetfulness. It says, Then they despised the pleasant land, having no faith in his promise. They murmured in their tents. Everybody murmur. 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 You bunch of Israelites. I can hear you (laughs) murmuring out there. So they murmured in their tents, and they did not obey God. The voice of the Lord. Therefore he raised his hands and swore to them that he would make them fall in the wilderness and that they would make their offspring fall among the nations, scattering them among the lands. Here it is, right? This is in Numbers 13 and 14, the great climax, you would almost say, of the Old Testament. The promises that were given to them. They're about to enter into the land. Here it is. It's about to happen. But then there's kind of this huge anticlimax. It's like when you're watching a movie, right? And it's building up to this great ending. And then all of a sudden you get sad because it's a terrible end. It's like Titanic. You just say, Leo, get on the door, right? As you're watching Titanic, get on there and save yourself. Or anybody, if you've, this is an older movie, got, eh, older, that makes me sound like Mr. Seth. But from 2004, <laughs> everybody's seen the movie The Village? It's a terrible movie. It's like this whole thing about you get this image that they're kind of in colonial America or something. I'm going to spoil it, but you've had a chance to watch it since 2004, so shame on you if you haven't seen it. But it's going through this, and you think there's like these monsters in these woods, and all this thing is happening, and then it comes to the end of the movie, and you realize the monsters are just people in the town dressed up, and then they climb over this fence, and it's literally like modern times. Like they jump out, and there's some guard at a guard stand, and it's like the modern 2014, not like the 1800s. And you're just like, what did I just watch? And here is the Israelites. They're coming. They're going to enter this promised land that was given to them. And all of a sudden they're like, well, there's giants. There's big things. We don't think, we don't believe God is going to lead us through this. And God says, I can't believe it. Here you are. This is what I've been given to you. And they turn and they wander in the wilderness again, and everybody has to die before they can go into the promised land. It's, it's, a, it's a crazy ending that's been building up. I can see Abraham in heaven just holding his head like, what are you doing? This is what was given to you. And he couldn't believe what had happened. And it continues on, though, in, in verse 28. It says, Then they yoked themselves to the bales of Peor, and they ate sacrifices offered to the dead. They they provoked the Lord to anger with their deeds, and a plague broke out among them. Then Phinehas stood up and intervened, and a plague was stayed, and it was counted to him as righteousness for all generations. They angered him at the waters of Mirabah, and it went ill with Moses on their account, for they made his spirit bitter and spoke rashly with lips. This is a great story as you go through when you think about this in Numbers 25. They're intermingling with the people of Moab. 
And then this guy, Phineas, stands up. He, he sees one of the Israelites take a Moabite into his tent, into his house, intermingling with the other nations, what they were told not to do. So what does he do? He does what any of us would do, right? He goes, grabs a, a spear, stabs them both in the stomach, right? And he was like, I wouldn't do that. But that's what he does. He goes, this is a wicked offense that is occurring before the Lord. And it says the plague was stopped with this. Then we know the waters of Mirah, the, the people were thirsty in Numbers 20. And God tells Moses to speak to the rock. But remember, this is the moment at our, our frustration. Moses hits the rock. And this is what denies him from being able to enter into the promised land himself. All these failures, all, all these frustrations. Verse 34, it says, They did not destroy the peoples as the Lord commanded them, but they mixed with the nations. They learned to do as they did. They served their idols, which became a snare to them. They sacrificed their sons and their daughters to the demons. They poured out innocent blood, the blood of their sons and daughters, whom they sacrificed to the idols of Canaan. And the land was polluted with blood. And thus they became unclean by their acts and played the whore with their deeds. Here they are, they're talking about their deeds now. Before we're talking about the mighty deeds of God, and now they're talking about their sinful deeds. They're coming together again with these other nations. Remember, they were, they were told to wipe out these foreign nations as they come into the land to destroy the people because of their sins. But instead, they didn't do that. They, they didn't wipe them out. And God said, these people will become a problem for you. And lo and behold, they did. And then finally, from Joshua to the kings, it's all building to this point of exile. And we see now in verse 40, it says, Then the anger of the Lord was kindled against his people, and he abhorred his heritage. He gave them into the hands of the nations, so that those who hated them ruled over them. Their enemies oppressed them, and they were brought into subjection under their power. Many times he delivered them, but they were rebellious in their purposes, and they were brought low through their iniquity. Here we have almost a second exodus here. Instead of now going into the, the nation of Egypt, they're going into the city of Babylon. They're coming in and, and conquering them and, and taking them away. You can almost hear the heartbreak of the psalmist in verse 43. Many times he delivered them, but they were rebellious in their purposes. They continue to forget all the blessings that they had in God. I know what you're thinking right now. This does not sound like a very thanksgiving message. Right? No, it sounds like people who have been forgetting all that God has done for them. And you would be right if only it was the focus of this passage was really the focus on the negative aspects. But I think what the writer is trying to point out here is really what he said in the opening verses. The love and the kindness of God. In the midst of so much failure of Israel, God continued to save and provide for them. As the nation is taken into Babylon, remember it is promised that this is only for a little while still. And they will come back to their land. And that's what we see in verse 44 through 48 as we close out this psalm. It says, Nevertheless, he looked upon them with their distress, for he heard their cry. Very similar to the cry in Exodus, where God heard the cry of his people to come and save them. 
And for their sake he remembered his covenant and relented according to the abundance of his steadfast love. There it is again. And he caused them to be pity for all those who held them captive. Save us, O Lord our God, and gather us from among the nations that we may give thanks to your holy name and glory in your praises. Verse 48, blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. And let all the people say, amen, praise the Lord. Once again, he has looked upon his people and he has saved them. Now, it wouldn't be the same as they come back into the land. It wouldn't be the time, great time of the kings. But God would be with them. It would be their home. It's a powerful psalm. It's a psalm of, of giving thanks in spite of all that God has done. What's interesting here is if you read the psalm before it, Psalm 105. I encourage you to take time today and read Psalm 105 because what that recounts is all the great things God had done for them and the praises they had because of what God had done. And then you see the contrast here in Psalm 106 of them forgetting these psalms. And as I was going through this and preparing this, I thought about like, what does this mean for us today? How do we live this out in our lives? And, and the book of Romans kept coming to my mind to, to see how it opened up this book through Psalms. You see, I, I reflected on Romans 3.23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Remember in the psalm, we, we and our fathers have committed sin. We have committed iniquities before the Lord. And it was nothing that they did to deserve it. Israel did nothing to deserve the salvation. And in Romans, it continues. It says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift, a free gift to us through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. We do nothing to bring about our salvation. There is no boasting in what we have done. Israel certainly could not boast as we see in anything they had done. It was God's great love. It was his deeds. It was his goodness that brought salvation to us. And Israel kept failing over and over again. You'd almost say they were enemies of God. And this is what Paul addresses in Romans 5 and verses 6. He says, For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one person would scarcely die for a righteous person. Though perhaps for a good person, one would even dare to die. But verse 8 says, But God shows his what? Steadfast love, his love for us, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by the blood, and much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his Son, how much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. While we were still sinners, while we were enemies, while we didn't deserve anything, Christ died for us to, to save us from the wrath of God, the punishment of the cross. For the wages of sin is death, we are told. We see Israel face a lot of death in their punishment, but the gift of God is eternal life. Isn't that an amazing truth to remember this Thanksgiving, to reflect on all that Christ 
has done for us. But you see, it doesn't even end there. There is more great promise. And in Romans 8.31, it says, What shall we say then to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? As the nations surround us, as the world surrounds us, who can be against us? Verse 38, jumping down, says, For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor death, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. You see, God remembers us. As the psalmist cries out, remember me, Lord. Nothing can separate us from the great love and the goodness of God, the steadfast love. So as we reflect on Psalm 106 and we think about all that God has done for us this Thanksgiving holiday, we think on the first three verses. Praise the Lord. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. Who can utter the mighty deeds of the Lord or declare all his praises? Blessed are they who observe justice, who do righteousness at all times. So the first thing we do, right, as we gather with our families, we, we praise the Lord. Second thing we do is remember his goodness and love, his forever love, his forever goodness. Three, we remember his works. We remember his mighty deeds that we have seen him work through our lives. I think Dan even said it on stage. We could go through and find and see how thankful we are for all God has done in our lives. And maybe it's, the, it's always the small things, right? It's the pipe breaking on the other side so it doesn't cost us any money. It's his salvation that he brings into his life. And then we live a life, as it says, a life of justice and righteousness. We obey his commands. We live a life that honors him because of the love that he's shown us, because of the grace that we have in Christ. We live this out and we, and we don't fall into the forgetfulness of Israel of over and over going through these things. As it says, we, we are prone to, to grumble, to be thankless, and to complain about our circumstances. As the hymn says, prone to wander, right? Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. All of his steadfast love. But instead, we want to remember the, the fount, right? the fount of every blessing, tune my heart to sing thy grace. Streams of mercy, never ceasing. And it says, calls for songs of loudest praise to give thanks and praise our Lord. And God graciously reminds us of this, and that's what we come here to remember today during our upper room service, to, to remember his gift in Jesus Christ. And we remember that with our time of communion. And now as we turn to this idea of remembrance, to think about the salvation of sin that we have. Here at Faith, communion is not just a time for the members of faith. It is something that we ask that you are a believer in Jesus Christ and that you are a member of his church in large. If you are not a believer, consider the words that you have heard today. If you are a sinner in need of salvation, you cannot earn it yourself. 
You need to believe that Jesus lived the perfect life that you can't live, that we stumble with. He suffered the death that we deserve, taking on the wrath of God. He was buried in a tomb, and three days later, he rose from the grave. Another passage that was going through my mind, I was reflecting on this, was Acts chapter 7. And in Acts chapter 7 is where Stephen addresses the, the Pharisees. And what's he say to them? You, you've always rejected the message. You rejected the prophets, and now you've rejected Christ. And they didn't like that message to them. Have you been turning your back on the message of Christ? Think about all that he has done for us. Believe in his life, death, and resurrection. Talk with somebody today. If you're online and joining us, email us. Let us know that you want to hear about this eternal life that comes in Christ. You know, one thing that Christ calls us to as we come into this time of communion is a time to confess sins that we have in our lives. And as this time is approaching, we realize, like the psalm said, that we have sinned. So I want you now to take a few moments and in your, in your heart confess to the Lord where you have fallen short in your obedience. Take some time and reflect on that now. I invite you, if you haven't already, to grab one of our uh, COVID-friendly uh, communion cups that are on the chairs in front of you. Uh, I'll remind you that there are, are two tabs on these. The, the first tab opens up uh, to the cracker, and then the second tab uh, opens up uh, to the juice. Paul, in his letter to the Corinthians... He writes these instructions. He says, For I have received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And we had given thanks, he broke it, and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your body which was broken on the cross for our sins. Lord, we reflect on that brokenness. We know that that brokenness brings us forgiveness. And we praise you for your love. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Paul later goes on. And he says this, he says, in the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the blood of your son, which was spilled out for the forgiveness of our sins. Lord, may we find, may find times of praise to reflect on that, to think about all that it cost him, Lord, and all that we gain in his grace. Lord, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
as we get ready to close, as the worship team makes their way back up front. I want us to remember the things that we've had today, to praise the Lord, to, to remember his goodness and his love, to remember the works that he has done in our lives, and to live a life of obeying his commands, a life of justice and righteousness, not prone to leave and wander. Stand with us as we get ready to close, and we hear words from 1 Timothy 1.17. To the king of the ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever. Amen.